people are literally slamming doors in their face. You, you, you could probably imagine, Vincent, when you're knocking on people's doors, you are not the most welcome person that that person sees during the day. Much of them. Absolutely not. And this is like before the day of the nest and the ring cams where you can see the person, yeah, right? They sometimes <laughs> had moms on their front door. So, so people answer the door. Sometimes they say hi and polite. Much of the time, slam the door in your face. So imagine slamming the door in your face. From Bite and Career Coaching, it's How I Got Here, a show about business leaders, their resilience, and the stories behind their career moves. I'm Vincent Famvan, and I've interviewed thousands of job candidates over the years in both recruiting and as a former corporate executive. Now, I'm on a mission to help you take the next step in your career. A corporate job opening attracts an average of 250 resumes, and just one person is going to get hired. It wasn't all that long ago that I was nervous and frustrated by my job search, but it doesn't have to be this way. You can navigate your career with confidence, spend every day learning, and drive to better yourself. You can be excited about the future. Today's show, we meet Kelly Breslin Wright and follow her journey from getting doors slammed in her face to becoming one of the most successful enterprise sales leaders out there. Kelly today serves on the board of directors for four different companies, including Fastly, which is traded on the New York Stock Exchange. She also teaches go-to-market strategy at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business. She spent time earlier in her career at leading management consulting and banking firms like Bain, McKinsey, and Bank of America. But I reached out to Kelly after learning about her career at Tableau Software, where she spent 12 years. Tableau helps users visualize their data, and today is a leading business intelligence tool. But it wasn't always that way, though. Founded in 2003 by a team of co-founders at Stanford University, they started out, like many startups, with a small team. In fact, Kelly was the first salesperson on this team and grew the company into a multi-billion dollar publicly traded company. In fact, she grew Tableau's revenue from zero to 850 million in revenue and managed over half of Tableau's 3,300 global employees. During our chat, I found Kelly to be very relatable and a great storyteller. She, like many great salespeople, has a great way of sharing guidance, teachable moments through her stories. I basically, from the time I was a small kid, I knew I wanted to be in sales. I was the one that was selling the cookies and the candy bars and whatever there was to sell. That's what I wanted to do. And then when I went to college, I actually did this crazy job for four summers in college where I sold educational books door to door. And I ran my own business selling books door to door. And that's really how I got my start in sales. And we can come back and talk to that book selling because I think that was really character building. But after I sold books, I really decided I wanted to be in sales. And my career after that was I sold all kinds of things. I have, as I mentioned, I've sold books, I've sold candy bars, I've sold shoes. Uh, I also then sold training for Dale Carnegie training. I sold residential mortgages for Bank of America. And then I started selling software at the start of the whole internet boom. And I worked at a small startup for a while doing some sales after I spent a little bit of time doing consulting. Uh, and then I started as the 10th employee, actually the first 
salesperson at this small little startup, Pablo Software. And that was my biggest run of my career where I was there for 12 years and started as first salesperson and spent my career there leading sales as, as a member of the executive team. And now doing sales in a whole bunch of different places at, at different companies. So definitely spent my life in sales. Many people talk about work-life balance, but Kelly believes that you only have one life. And although she has an incredible career, her family is her first passion. Her 26-year-old daughter lives in Manhattan, and she has boys, two boys, one in high school and the other one a freshman at Wake Forest. As with many sales roles, Kelly traveled a lot for work and brought her family along for the journey, quite literally. We love travel. Love, love, love travel. In fact, that's our number one favorite thing to do as a family. And given my, my career in running sales for large global public companies, I had to travel a ton. And actually, that's one thing that a lot of people in sales and sales executives don't like is their travel is time away from their family. And one lesson that I learned are how can in your career you figure out ways to integrate your work and your life. So people talk about work-life balance, but you only have one, you only have one life. So how can you have your work and your family, your friends all integrate? And so we always looked as a family and said, here are all the places that mom has to go for her job this year. Where do the kids want to go? And so each time that the kids had a break growing up, we would get on a plane and go different places. So where do I love to go? Well, as of right now, I've been to, I think, 74 countries. And my goal is to make it up over 100. So learning about different cultures and seeing different places is a high priority for me and my family. Yeah, that's incredible. And I think being purposeful about that, right? It's so easy to be able to just add a day uh, or a weekend before and after a trip um, and being purposeful about that. I didn't realize that early in my career. You know, I had an opportunity to spend one year where I think I did 250 or 300,000 miles in one year, but I got to travel to so many places that I wouldn't have normally gone to. And That's a lot of miles. It's a lot of miles. Um, <laughs> I did a lot of miles that year. And it was the right thing for that year. You know, it, yeah. I, could spend, I could spend the time and be able to do that. And I'm in a later phase of my you know, life, a different phase of my life as I'm growing a family. And I definitely could not spend 250,000 miles on the road um, or in the air uh, now. But uh, I'm glad I had the experience and knowing what I know now when I was younger, I wish I, I, I probably wish I could have been more purposeful about having a few more of those years while I could do it. Yeah. Well, you know, you're not lost. Yeah. We started traveling with my kids when my youngest was under four. And we just decided instead of staying close to home, because people think it's hard to travel with the kids, we said, we love traveling. That's part of our family's thing. And so we're going to get our kids adjusted to traveling when they're really, really young. And we put them on the plane. We managed through having kids crying and on the planes. And many of our best times as a family are really those special moments of tasting different foods different museums, checking out all the different cultural places. And in terms of lessons learned for the kids, 
they've learned a lot that way too by seeing all these different cultures. And if people aren't able to travel internationally, you don't have to get on a plane to do it. You can just drive to different places. You can go to national parks. But I think it is important for people to be able to get outside their own bubble. You know, with your children, what are the things as they start their career, as they get deeper into their career, what are the things that you want them to know that you were able to learn throughout your career, but you would love for them to know at the beginning of their career? An interesting thing that I I hear often when I talk to people who are just starting out in their career is they make, they have this vision of what their career is supposed to look like. So they want to be a CEO. They want to be an exec. They want to be in finance, whatever it is. And they roll the picture forward 30 years and they say, that's what I want to do in 30 years. And so they have this image in their head of all the steps that they have to make to get there. It's, it's, they've already laid the whole thing out. And the interesting part is if you talk to someone later in their career, yeah, maybe someone aspires to be a CEO or they aspire to be a sales exec and they're in the uh, directionally the place that they thought they'd end up. But virtually nobody as the exact path that they thought. And so I think it's really important to think about those career moves of what are those doors that open along the way? And what are those doors that you open for yourself? And how do you look at those opportunities as they present themselves rather than getting too hung up on this is my predetermined path that I decide when I'm 16 or 18 or 21 and I need to follow it all that way. Because life's going to throw a whole bunch of curves and twists. Things are going to happen not the way that you plan. And your decisions should really be made by who are the people that you really admire and who you can learn from. And that's who you want to work with. What are the companies that get you really inspired, where you're really passionate about their mission and purpose? And where do you feel like you could have the most impact? And where can you learn the most? And if you make your career choices based on working with companies where you can really identify with that sense of purpose and you feel like you can be your best self there, you can have an impact and you can learn from those around you, that's going to accelerate your path to get to wherever you are supposed to be in 20 to 30 years more than I need to be in these exact roles at these type of companies because that may or may not. That's such good advice because I look back at the last 10 years and if I would have, if I would have known that, if I would have understood that I would have put a lot less pressure on myself. It would have saved me a lot of sleepless nights. You know, to your point, when, when I had graduated from college, I thought that I wanted to take a COO path. And fast forward 10 years, I find myself in a CMO role. So for anybody listening um, who's not familiar with the acronyms, I apologize. COO is Chief Operating Officer. CMO is Chief Marketing Officer. That's a completely different field. And what ended up happening was throughout my career, I kept a few things in mind. The first to your point is, if I found an organization where I was aligned with the values, I was bought in on the mission, I got energized by the idea of being there and the work... I would join and I wouldn't be as particular about which seat I was sitting in. If you get offered a seat on a rocket ship, you don't ask which seat. You just get on and you do the best job that you possibly can helping the team. Number two, I would be flexible if I was ever asked to move around. Even if it was an area that I was less comfortable with, 
I could be aggressive about learning it. Having that growth mindset is so important. And I'd often go to that different role. You know, I ended up finding myself on a really great career path, but it, it was not anything like what I thought I was going to end up going on, to your point. What a great lesson. And I wish, I wish I would have known that because I would have put a lot less pressure on trying to plan out every single individual move as if I was in control of it. <laughs> yeah, you don't always know. That's for sure. Yeah. You don't always know. Um, many people think that job searches and networking is frustrating or can be frustrating to the point where you know it gives them anxiety and they want to give up on it. Why do you think people feel that way? Because it's hard. Vincent, yeah, people don't like doing things that are hard. And when you think about your career, things don't just land in your lap. You you need to make it happen. So to tell a story about myself, if 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 I look back at virtually every job I've ever had, it's come from my own personal networking. If I think about the boards that I'm on now, and just here, here's uh, some perspective from much later in my career. Oftentimes when people have gone through their career, they've had some level of success and they want to go sit on other boards. There's a perspective that people are just going to sit there and they've, they've done their thing and they're waiting to be tapped on their shoulder. That is not how it works. For <laughs> I mean, maybe some people do, but not, but not for me. I, I, I'm one of those people where I've had tremendous failure in my hit rate of trying to get on boards. And I figured, you know what? I'm not going to just sit there and wait for someone to tap me on the shoulder. And I don't, I don't know all the right people. They talk about boards or about, no, you have to know people that's on board to get on a board. And that is more true for boards than it is for jobs. If you were to just go get a sales job or a marketing job or a development job, you can go through recruiters and resume. And so what did I do? I ended up saying, I'm going to go network my way into all these different companies. I talked to executives and CEOs at 80 different companies. I met with maybe 30 to 40 different investors at venture capital firms and private equity firms. I ended up proactively reaching out to dozens of different recruiters. I got involved in a whole bunch of women on board organizations to meet other folks there. And now people can look and say, okay, well, Kelly, you got on four boards. But you know what? I've talked to 80 CEOs. I think in terms of people I know who are on boards, I have the highest failure rate of anyone that I've ever met. And it really does have to do with getting out there and meeting people. Even if I go back to my job at Tableau, my job at Tableau came from a personal network. I, I talked about when I was in college, I sold educational books door to door. And when I was selling educational books door to door, people in college knew I did this crazy job and I made a lot of money selling when I was in college. And so when people were getting their company started, I had a lot of people reaching out to me saying, hey, we have to hire our first salesperson. You sold books. Do you want to do this? And that is how I got started at Tableau. Tableau was through personal connections that I knew from my time at Stanford. And it was connected because of the background of me selling. It sounds like the selling door-to-door prepared you for dealing with failure. Oh, and absolutely. 
So tell me a little bit about that, you know, because not everybody has the mentality of I'm going to go out and secure conversations with 80 CEOs, because I assume in order to do that, there were like 200 CEOs who said, Hey, stop bothering me. (laughs) Well, let's, let's go back to the picture of what it was like selling bookstore. So roll the clock way back. I'm 18. I go to school in California. So I'm transplanted back to the, to East, the East coast where I don't know anyone. And I plop down in a city where I don't have a place to live. First thing you have to find a place to live. And then I have this book bag back then there wasn't tons of stuff online, nothing online. So we had a book bag that weighed 25 pounds that had all these samples of educational books to help kids and their families with their education. So whether it was pouring rain or it was scalding heat, I'm going and talking to 30 families a day with this huge 25 pound bag on my shoulder, walking or riding my bike a lot of the time door to door where people are literally slamming doors in their face. You might, you you could probably imagine Vincent when you're knocking on people's doors, you are not the most welcome person that that person sees during the day. Much of absolutely them. not. And this yeah. is like before the day of the nest and the ring cams I where you know. can see people the person, right? They sometimes had it yeah. bombs on their front door. So so people answer the door. Sometimes they say hi and polite. Much of the time, slam the door in your face. So imagine slamming the door in your face. Sometimes even sticking the dog on you, you have dogs chasing after you, biting at your ankles. You have police coming and stopping you because are you illegally soliciting and and want to understand what's going on? I mean, talk about failure and adversity. Taught me a tremendous amount about that. But some of the, I think some of the biggest lessons that came from selling books was when you knock on someone's door, you have just a few seconds. For them to decide, are they going to close the door? Are they going to talk to you? Are they going to invite you in? And you have to present your best self. And you have to be able to control your own attitude and control what you can control. Because you you cannot control, is the person going to slam the door in your face? You don't know what happened in their life up to the moment. But you can control what happens when you get to the next door. And so a lot of that was about controlling your own attitude, control what you can control, being able to deal with adversity and failure and being able to really those character building modes that just keep you going and keep you motivated. And when you think about your career, you know, we're all going to be knocked down tons of times and how we pick ourselves back up and keep on going at it. Because if you let something get you down, then you're stuck. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think a lot of times part of the anxiety with a job search is you're applying to, if you're taking the typical path, you go to the company website, you apply for jobs, you're applying for hundreds of them. You're hearing back on a very small percentage of them to set up uh, a phone screen. I think it can be easy to get stuck in this rut where you're just like, Oh my gosh, it's me. Like, you know, why are these companies not calling me back versus what you're describing is really grabbing things, taking it into your own hands and controlling your own destiny and making it work. And 
expecting rejection because it only takes one yes or a few yeses to be able to grab and secure that role at the end of it. Yeah, Vincent, I think you just mentioned a couple really important takeaways if you think about career progression. The first is, and we alluded to this before, but the first is people have to take charge of your their own career. Who is the driver of your career? Yeah. It is you. It is nobody else. And what people often think is, hey, I went to a great school. I got a good degree. I have a fantastic job. I'm showing up and working hard and my boss knows I've done well. So now I'm just going to sit here, like I talked about in the board's role, I'm going to sit here and wait for someone to tap me on my shoulder. Sometimes it happens. Usually it doesn't. And so you have to figure out if you're not happy with your career, what are you going to do? If you don't like your job, how are you going to find a new job? If you aren't passionate about what you're doing every day, then instead of waiting for it to change, what are you going to do to change your situation of either improving that role or going and working somewhere else? A lot of it is making sure you're always realizing that you are in the driver's seat on your own life and your own career. And if you don't like where you are now, what are you going to do to change it? And if you like what, where you are, how are you going to accelerate it and continue to take charge? And it's going to take work and it's going to take at that. And the best people who have a, a accomplished the most things usually have achieved way more failures than they have achieved their successes. And I think it's important to think about each failure is getting you one step closer to your success because people just don't show up successful. It takes hours and hours and hours. It's like no one's an overnight success. It takes yeah. years and years and years. for someone. I think it could be easy on the outside to look at your career and to go, yeah, but Kelly's got this network. Kelly's on all of these boards. She's teaching at this university. Like it's a lot easier for her to be able to hit her Rolodex, but that wasn't always the case. You didn't always have that network. What advice would you give to somebody who wants to start building that? There's a lot of different ways that people can build their network. And there, there's people who might be super go-getters, and then there's others that are maybe more quiet-spoken, and it's harder for them to go out into a one-to-many type of approach. But you can do it in many different ways, and there are, there are plenty of different professional organizations that people can go join. They might be called networking. They, they might be just other job-related type of organizations. There are lots of school alumni organizations. People can get involved in where they went to college, where they, where they went to a graduate school, where they were involved in uh, maybe a meetup for, for salespeople or marketing people or developers or wherever it may be. Now, the other thing that people can do is they can look around for people who they admire. And just set up series of coffees or short little snippets of questions. And this is one thing that I did. Now, sometimes people will reach out to me on LinkedIn and just say, hey, Kelly, will you be my mentor? And, and I have no idea who they are. I've never met them. Uh, that's probably not your best approach. It's probably better to find people where you've had a positive interaction with them. They've seen something of what you've developed at work or how you've gotten involved in a not-for-profit 
or how you've helped out at your kid's school or whatever it may be, someone that you've had some interaction with, and maybe just ask them to for coffee or ask if you can chat with them on the phone for 10 minutes and come with an agenda, ask them a question, and, and you can start building your network that way. So it, does, it doesn't have to be some huge scale, I'm going to go out and talk to 100 people. It should be very little and intentional of, hey, I actually was really impressed by something you did. Can you tell me your top three things of how you got to that stage or what's a lesson learned I can learn from how you just manage that project? And it, it can be done in very manageable bite-sized time. So Kelly, you mentioned earlier when you were the first salesperson at Tableau, you didn't get that job by applying on a company website or you know the LinkedIn easy button. You mentioned that that, w- that happened through networking. What did that look like behind the scenes? Well, actually, it's a pretty funny story, Vincent. What happened with that is I had been working at another technology startup. And I had known some of the early folks involved at Tableau through my college connection. And so I had been at a party and I had met actually the CEO of Tableau. And it was very small then. It was just getting started. And I had heard through this network that they were going to make a go of it. They were going to make a go of this business. And one of my friends who ended up becoming the CFO of Tableau and joined just a few months before I did, he had said to me, hey, Kelly, when we're ready to go hire the first salesperson, we're coming after you. And I thought, okay, well, this company is getting started in Seattle. I live in the Bay Area. I'm not going to move. I just had... I just had my second kid. I'm not working full time. And I don't know anything about business intelligence and data analytics. It's not my space. And so they said, okay, well, when it's time for the first salesperson, we're going to come talk to you because we know you sold a lot of books back in the day. So then when it came time a few months later to hire the first salesperson, I said, well, what's the job description? And the job description had nothing to do with me. It was, we were looking for someone who's been in business intelligence and in data. We're looking for someone who's run a team of hundreds of people, someone who has helped to lead sales teams and take companies public, someone who has been in sales at a public company, someone who has driven big enterprise sales deals. And I had done absolutely none of those. I looked at it and I hoped maybe I met the criteria for SMART (laughs) under the personal characteristics, and I had done sales. But I had a conversation with the founder, and and I think we just had that that connection. And I also think I was super, super passionate about this mission to help people see and understand data. And that's what it really comes down to. Do you think you can learn from the people that you're with? Are you passionate? about what the business does and what the products uh, it, that you'd be selling. And do you think that you can go learn and have an impact? And all that was there. And so I joined as the first salesperson and that's how the story started. What do you think is a common mistake about getting an incredible job either in tech, in startups or in sales? I think there are a couple things. First, I, I believe that people have this perception that there is one profile of a salesperson. And we just talked about that, that salespeople do come in all different 
personality types and all different uh, stripes and spots. And I think that that is an important takeaway is you can be really, really successful in sales regardless of what your personality is. I think that's the first. The second is, is when it comes to sales, we can talk about tech later. When it comes to sales, some people think sales is very rote and boring and super repetitive. And there's elements of sales that is very true that way. If you're going to be an SDR, as you mentioned, or an inside salesperson, you might have the same conversation or the same have to do the same dial 60 times a day. But the thing about sales is every single interaction is different. And that's what I love about sales so much is that each person's problems are different. Each person's situation is different. And to me, although there's a lot of repetitiveness of you are doing, you're starting from zero at the beginning of every day, week, month, that might be hard. You're having lots and lots of calls and meetings. For me, it's, it's the most fresh thing that I could do because I'm having so many different conversations and thinking about things in different challenging ways of how to help others. So that to me, I find is, is very unique. The third takeaway is when I think about sales, and this is true for marketing and even for tech companies, it's really all about storytelling. And people don't realize this. So much about human interaction and sales and communicating is being able to draw those really tight human connections and emotional connections. And you do that by storytelling. And many people think that sales is just about going and giving your prepackaged pitch. And even in, in talking about disruptive technology companies is giving that pitch. But the companies that actually really resonate and the salespeople who end up being the most successful are those who actually can pick a picture and tell an inspiring story that leads people to think differently. And if you think about those companies that do it, they're the ones that are mission focused. They're the ones that actually have a really strong sense of purpose where people can identify and really believe in that mission. Hey, Kelly, we've talked about so much for somebody to think about as they're starting their career or thinking about a pivot in their career. What do you think that are the top takeaways that somebody should have from this episode as they're navigating their next step? Let's see, Vincent. Okay, number one, be in control of your own career. Take control. You are the driver of your life. So get in the driver's seat. Two, have a growth mindset. Always be thinking about how can you learn? How can you learn from every interaction? How can you learn from every person you interact with? How can you learn in your free time from books that you read, podcasts that you listen to? Just always be thinking about learning and growing. Three, use failure and adversity to your advantage thrive on your failures. If we talk about the last one, which was growth mindset, instead of having those failures get you down, think about how you can take something positive from each of those failures to help you do better the next time. In terms of four, 
Be passionate about what you're doing. Only take jobs where you're passionate about the company. You're passionate about what the company's product or service is. You're passionate and excited about the people that you're working with. All that is critically important. Don't just follow because you think that there's a lot of money to be made or this is a rocket ship. You have to personally feel passionate about whatever you it is that you're doing. Not only will it make you more successful, but it'll help you to have a lot more fun. And then five, make sure you find some balance. In order to be really successful in your career, it's not just about work, 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 work. And this was a huge mistake that I've made through much of my career is just chasing, chasing, chasing. And that is good, but you need to keep yourself healthy and you need to focus on your own well-being. And so make sure you're exercising. Make sure you have time for those personal relationships. Make sure you prioritize your family. Right now, as I think about my career, and this is part of the reason that I'm doing board work, is I know I'm going to remember those important relationships. I'm going to remember those personal interactions that I've had. I know that I'm going to really think most about the time that I spent with my family and my career and all that is going to be important. But to do that at the expense of taking care of yourself and your own personal relationships isn't going to be best for you. And it also isn't going to make you the most successful because those people that are successful, they are the ones that also prioritize all those other pieces that are important. So those are five that I and what great five takeaways from this episode. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. Where can our listeners follow or connect with you online or be able to read more? Oh, they can definitely follow me on LinkedIn. So just go search for Kelly Breslin Wright on LinkedIn. They can follow me on Twitter under the same name. And Vincent, thank you so much. It was really, really fun and engaging to be able to have this conversation with you. For all of you listeners out there, whether you are early in your career or far along. Uh, it's been a pleasure and good luck and best wishes. Thanks again. Thank you so much for listening to the show this week. If this podcast was helpful to you, the best thing that you can do to support is please consider rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts. This helps us help more people just like you move towards the life that they desire. Visit our podcast on Apple Podcasts, then scroll to the bottom, tap the rate with five stars, and just leave a sentence or two about what you loved most about this episode. You can subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, or you can write at hello at viton.com. I'm Vincent Fanvan, and you've been listening to How I Got Here. This podcast is brought to you by Viton Career Coaching.